Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We're walking in the light and experiencing that victory. Amos chapter 3. Speaking of walking, we've been talking about walking in agreement with God. The phrase walking with God or, or the walk of faith or um, when the Bible refers to our paths, it's talking about our daily lives. And Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 asks the question that we've been pondering. Can two walk together except they be agreed? That's the question we want to answer in our life because we want to walk with God. We want to walk in His plan. We want to walk in all that He has arranged and made ready for us. And so this is the prerequisite for us to walk with Him successfully, for us to walk with Him accurately. Agreement is what we're aiming for, right? Agreement is what we're desiring. We want to agree with God. And here's what we find out is that God's not going to change His viewpoint to agree with me. I've got to change my viewpoint to agree with God. If we come to an area that he sees things one way and I see things another way, I'm the one who needs to change because God's ways are right. His viewpoint, his perception, his his ideologies, they are right. What I want is to learn his ways. And that's what we find in Isaiah 48. God says, in 4817 of the book of Isaiah, he says, I am the Lord who will teach you. I'll teach you to profit. And what's he going to teach us? His ways. He's going to teach us his thoughts. He's going to teach us all of those aspects of wisdom that we need to be able to live and to walk with him accurately. And then he says also, I'm going to lead you by the way that you should go. I'm going to teach you and I'm going to lead you. That's his part. He's on time with his part. He is on task with his part. He is always available to teach us and to lead us. And we know that we even have his presence dwelling within us. And Jesus said those were two of the main functions that the Holy Spirit would fulfill. He will show us. He will take what is the Father's that is, belongs now to Jesus, and show it unto us. Amen. And that word show in the book of John means to rehearse it. He's not going to just tell us one time and hope you don't forget. He'll, he'll bring it back to you again and he'll say, do you remember? Do you remember what I showed you? Do you remember what God said? Do you remember this? I'm rehearsing this with you. Amen. Why? Because we need to practice the thoughts of God. Yes. And so he says, I will teach you and I will lead you. The Holy Spirit does that. He will lead you in the way that we should go. He will lead us by the Spirit in a way that the enemy can't manipulate and cannot duplicate. The inward witness is the greatest way to follow God. It's the greatest way because 
The, the devil doesn't even have to know what God said to you. If you don't open your mouth, he can't read your mind. He can't look inside your heart and figure out what God said to you. If you'll hold it in your heart and just walk out what God spoke to you and, and follow the leading, the enemy will be scratching his head saying, why is she doing that? Why is she acting that way? Why aren't they responding to the pressure that I'm putting on them? Why? Because we're being led by the Lord. So God said, I'll teach you and I'll lead you. So this is what we, our part then is to learn. Our part is to learn. And you're here today. So you're doing your, you're here to do your part, to learn. We're going to learn of him today. And he says, our part is to follow. If he's teaching and he's leading, we're learning and following. Hallelujah. And we want to be good followers. We want to, because this is how we walk with him. How can two walk together? How? Agreement. How do I get in agreement? I need to learn and I need to follow because he's teaching and he's leading. So this is the, the uh, assignment that we have is to learn and to follow. And today I'm going to steer us over to an application. We've talked in this series about the importance of the renewing of the mind where this is concerned in this agreeing with God. And if you did not uh, hear those previous sessions, they are free of charge. You can get them off the podcast, the YouTube channel. You can uh, uh, order them from the uh, uh, media desk out front. They, they're available for you to go back and pick up on those because I need to move us over into a different aspect today. And we're going to go to Matthew 14, first of all. And we're going to talk about how faith helps us get in agreement with God. And this is how. It connects us. Faith unites us to the Word. And this is a necessary element for walking with God. God is a faith God. He talks faith words. And He walks by faith. Hallelujah. Now, here's, here's something I want to just go ahead and define the word faith. Because some people hear the word faith and they, they see the knot at the end of the rope with the cat in that poster, you know, holding on to the end of the rope. And they say, oh, if you're in faith, you're out there with nothing underneath you. If you're in faith, I mean, that faith, ooh, if you're in faith, you're going to do it by faith? Oh, are you sure you want to do that by faith? I don't want to do anything that's not by faith. Amen. I, we live by faith. Yes, so let's define faith just in case that picture of being in faith automatically puts you over into this, this alternate uh, idea of what faith is. Faith is our lifestyle. Yes, faith comes by hearing the word. Faith is a certainty. Faith is a standing under. So when it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse, verse 1, now faith is the substance Faith is not nothing. Faith is substance. If we're operating by faith, we're taking a substance that is more real than anything I can see, anything I can feel, anything I can touch in the natural realm because faith is the substance that everything that exists in the entire universe was made with. Everything came from faith. God used faith-filled words to proclaim the universe into existence. Amen. 
So everything that you can see came from something you can't see. And faith is the substance of things you can't see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you can't see. So even though we can't see it, we are learning to live by things we can't see. I have never seen my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but I know it's there. I've never seen it. Do you know I've never seen my brain? But I rely on it every day. I do my best. <laughs> right? I've never seen it, but I believe I have one. Yes. I mean, that's a natural example, but there are... I, I, I believe Jesus died on the cross, but I did not see him personally with my natural eyes, but by faith I've seen him even to the point that I was crucified with him. I saw myself on the cross with him, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. How did I get crucified with Christ? Faith put me on the cross with him. Yeah. So we see then that faith is substance. Faith is evidence. Faith is not hope so, maybe so, someday, in the sweet by and by. If it's faith, it's now. If it's faith, it's reliable. If it's faith, it's certain. So these are indicators to me. If I'm in faith, I'm not saying, I hope so. That would indicate I'm in hope, which is an important part of developing faith, but it's not done yet. That would be like trying to live in a blueprint. The blueprint can show you the image of what you're trying to build, but you can't live in it. And so if you hope, hear your words, if you hear yourself uncertain if you say well i'm here's here's one i'm believing god's gonna do i'm believing there's not certainty in that in that inflection i'm believing do you see that's hope they think they're believing that person thinks they're believing but just by the uncertainty it is evident that faith is not complete it doesn't mean they're not doing the right thing to try to build their faith. It doesn't mean that they're not on the way, but they're not, they have not arrived to the place where faith is developed and is operative if they're still uncertain in their words. When faith comes, certainty is an expression of that faith. This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have. Do you hear the certainty in that? We know we have. I'm believing. Do you see the, do you see the difference? We've got to police our own responses. We've got to investigate how am I responding? Because sometimes you might think you're in faith and you're just in hope. And you're trying to put your furniture in the blueprint. And it won't fit. But if we'll continue and let faith have its work, if we'll let that faith continue building and there will come to a place that out of your mouth will come a certainty, a knowing. And you're not trying to make it sound certain. Don't, don't try to 
to fake it and sound certain. Just keep speaking it to yourself. Don't go fake it to other people and say, I believe God, and on the inside, you're, you don't have that level of confidence yet. That, you're not out to prove to anybody what level of faith you're at. Just free yourself from that pressure. We're not trying to impress anybody except God with our faith. I want God to look at me and say, I haven't found faith like that. Right? I, but I'm not trying to impress you with my faith. If we will hear our own responses and recognize if I don't hear confidence, I'm going back to the Word. And I'm going to stay in the Word and I'm going to feed on this Word until it produces the faith in me to, to automatically come out of my mouth with words of confidence. So, so we have an accurate estimation of faith. I hope that brings us to a place when we talk about faith uniting us with the Word of God. We can recognize that this faith is something of the heart. It's not the mind. Faith is not operating in the mind. Faith is of the heart. And so that's why we need the renewing of the mind so that it can agree with the faith that's in my heart. And, and this application of Connecting the faith with the word is something that's not necessarily automatic. That we've got to purposefully recognize and, and identify what's in our mouth, what's coming in our actions to identify, am I operating in faith or not? So Matthew 14 is a great example. And um, it's the example of Peter who stepped out of the boat on and in and on one word so let's go ahead and read in verse 27 of matthew 14 straight away jesus spoke unto them saying be uh, let me start in 26 when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear and straight away Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come unto you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Okay, the... Ship was already in the middle of the storm when they saw Jesus. When they saw Jesus, they were already fighting the wind and fighting the waves. Verse 27 or 24 tells us that they were, the storm was already raging. So Peter, it says, he walked on the water. It didn't say that anything changed about the storm yet. The wind was still blowing. The waves were still boisterous. It was still unruly. It was still dangerous seas. But he got out of the boat and walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 30, when Peter saw the wind, when he saw the wind, have you ever seen the wind? I've never seen wind. I've seen what the wind can do. 
I've seen the damage that the wind can cause. I've seen the trees blowing. I mean, now you've, maybe you've seen some pictures of uh, a hurricane in a tropical location and you see those palm trees and they're almost bent over by the force of the wind. That wind, you, so you, but you're not seeing wind. You're seeing the water that's picking up. You're seeing the debris that it's flowing around. You're seeing the effect that it's having upon the trees, but we can't see wind. We can just see what wind does. And he was seeing the effect of what was taking place around him. He was seeing the destruction of what was taking place around him. He was seeing the effect that was taking, that had nothing to do with his ability to walk on the water. He's already walking on the water despite the height of the wave. He's already walking on the water despite what it's doing to the sea around him. He's already experiencing the miracle action of the Word in his life. Until he began to give it his attention. When he saw it, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. So he did not sink. He was beginning to sink. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, Great job, Peter. You got out of the boat, man. I'm excited for you. Look at you. You walked on the water however far it was you walked. You were walking. That's what I would have said. <laughs> That's what I would have said. Good job. Where'd you go? Woo! Look at you. Only one out of the boat. That's what I would have said. That's not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus looked at him and called him, O oh, you of little faith. Now, did Jesus love Peter? Was he trying to be rough on Peter for the sake of being rough? Was he trying to, to uh, uh, you know, just set an example with Peter? No, he was trying to help Peter. You looked at what was going on around you and you got your eyes off the word and some, a disconnect happened. Remember, faith unites us with the word. Unbelief disconnects us from the working of the word. He did not have to lose the water walking ability. God didn't remove the water walking ability. God didn't take away from him his capacity to walk on water. He let it go when he began to look at something he shouldn't have been looking at. When he began to focus on something that disconnected him from the word. And Jesus goes on to say, why? Did you doubt? Why did you doubt? 
I want us to really identify because doubt and unbelief are, are thieves. They are thieves. They come to rob us of the blessings of God. They come to rob us of the experiences that God wants us to walk in. God would have been pleased with Peter continuing his walk and maybe walking all the way back to shore. Come on, isn't that what we want? Just don't walk me back to the boat. Let's just keep on walking. Let them fight in the boat, right? Let's just keep on walking all the way back to shore. What would have been if we would have had that story instead? If we could have had that story. Because God didn't tell him, okay, that's all you get for the sake of, of the gospel story, you know. Just a few that you know. He, he said, why? 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 You didn't have to. Why did you doubt? When it says little faith, it's little in duration. It's not talking about little in amount. It was little in length. His faith was short because it got cut off. Our faith never has to be cut off if we'll learn how to keep our eyes on the Word, keep our spiritual eyes on the Word of God. And we never have to be looking back at a story in our life and say, that's where I disconnected from the Word and it took God three months to get me back on track. I've had those, those stories. I've had experiences where I started out in faith and somewhere along the way I disconnected because of a circumstance, because of a feeling, because of a situation that came up. And thank God He's so faithful and merciful to help us get back on track. But we never have to be in that position where we have to disconnect. We can instead have a story of, look where I connected to the Word and how God brought me through to the end of it. Hallelujah. It, it catches my attention when I hear Brother Hagen talk about experiences that uh, he noticed in people because he did have such an accurate healing ministry. And he said, I have seen countless thousands of people come and receive their healing and lose it because they disconnect from the word. Because something comes and convinces them maybe God didn't really heal you. We have a little book, a little mini book out there in the bookstore section out there, and it's called How to Keep Your Healing. Just about $2, I think. I don't know how much, two, two or $3. The most important thing you'll ever know about maintaining your healing you could find in that book because he talks about people who received. He, he was in the time of the healing evangelists that were going around with their tents and seeing supernatural manifestations of healing. God was doing such great things in the area of healing for people. But Brother Hagen would come to town to those... He was in the churches. He would come to a town where a few months prior a healing evangelist had been. And they were healing evangelists who were prominent, healing evangelists who were steady, who were real uh, in their walk with God. And he's he would come into town and the pastor would say, you know, my people, we went over to the meeting that Oral Roberts had and this person got healed, but three months later, they lost their healing. Can you help us? And he said, I can help you if you'll tell them to come to all of the day services where I'm teaching on faith, I'll help you. And he would usually be teaching on faith for three weeks at a time in these meetings. He would go for extended meetings. And he said, 
usually by the end of that three weeks of teaching, the people would not even need prayer. They wouldn't even need to have hands laid on them again. They would come and say, I got my healing back because they found out how the enemy took it. He took it through unbelief. They got themselves in agreement with what they saw, what they felt, the situation, and it disconnected them from the word and it disconnected them from their covenant of healing. And when they got themselves back connected to the word, they reconnected to the flow and the healing power of the word. So when, when we say faith unites us with the word and unbelief separates us from the word, we need to recognize our, our part in staying connected. We all have a part to play and none of us is beyond the reach of unbelief. Unbelief could, could happen if I let it, but I don't want to let it, so I'm going to learn and I'm going to follow. God said he'll teach me and he'll lead me, and if I'm, follow, if I'm learning and I'm following, I'm not going to yield to the unbelief. I'm not going to succumb to the doubt. Why? Because God's going to teach me and he's going to lead me. I want to compare what happened to Peter to what happened to, Abra or to Abraham in Romans chapter 4. And I just want to look at one verse here in Romans 4 to show us the connection because we see in Peter how he disconnected, he separated from the word. And we see with Abraham how he connected to the word even despite what could be seen he had to overcome what his senses were telling him, which is what Peter should have done. Peter should have overcome what his senses were telling him by keeping his mind stayed on the Word. And so Romans 4.20 says that Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God. He staggered not. And so this word stagger is one of the ways to define doubt. Remember what Peter, Jesus said to him, why did you doubt? He doubted, and that was what cut his face short. Abraham did not stagger or doubt. So the word doubt, let me give you this definition. This will help you. Doubt means to waver in opinion, to separate thoroughly, to withdraw from, to oppose, to make to differ, or to stagger. To stagger. I'll go through those again. To waver in opinion, to separate thoroughly, to withdraw from, to oppose, to make to differ. To stagger. To stagger. So Abraham did not stagger at the promise. He did not doubt the promise. Not the part we get right here, right? Genesis 15, he said, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? But that was Abram. That was Abram. That wasn't Abraham. That was Abram before God gave him something to look at and changed his name. Abraham. Amen. Abraham, who called himself 
The, one, the man who was calling himself the father of many nations, the man who was agreeing with God, what was he doing? He was connecting to the word. So shall my seed be high. My name is Abraham, father of many nations. I, no, 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 I'm not Abram anymore. Excuse me, boss. I've been working in this ranch for, for decades since I, I was born under, in this ranch and you have always been my boss and I've called you Abram every day of my life. And he says, not anymore. That's my, not my name anymore. Don't call me Abram anymore. He was the boss. He could tell him that. Don't you call me Abram anymore. That is not my name. That is not who I am. I am Abraham. What is he doing? Connecting to the words. That is, his faith was talking. I am the father of many nations. So he did not stagger at the promise of God. How does one stagger at the promise of God? Through unbelief. Unbelief causes people to stagger at the promise, to doubt or separate from the promise, to withdraw from the promise, to oppose the promise. So he did not stagger through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God giving glory to God. So he was strong in faith and he did not stagger through unbelief. And if Abraham can do it, so can you. If Abraham can be strong in faith, so can you. If Abraham can refuse to stagger at the promise, so can you. Amen? And that's what we are are investigating. I I like, there's one of my favorite books is F.F. Bosworth's Christ the Healer. Brother Hagen said that he read it until he would wear the, cop, the, the cover off the copy and go get a new copy because he read it so many times. Christ the Healer. And F.F. F. Bosworth made this statement, and I want to share it with you today. He said, the evidences for faith are so much stronger than those for doubting. The evidences for faith are so much stronger than, the, than those for doubting. Peter would have benefited if he had known that. The evidence of my faith. What was was his faith? Jesus said, come. Jesus said, come. That was the evidence. That should be all the evidence I need. It was evidence enough for me to get out of the boat. It was evidence enough for me to walk as far as I've walked on the water. Why would I look at what the wind and the waves are doing when they haven't had any ability to oppose the words Jesus said concerning my ability. He said, I could come. I'm going to keep on walking. But he looked at the wrong evidence and he staggered. Hallelujah. And that's what we want to refuse. Let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And I'm actually... Uh, want to read this from the Weiss translation. But let me read the King James first just so that we have a comparison. James 1, verse 6. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. The fact that this is written for us in Scripture gives us the ability to do it. You may have to work 
I'm casting down imagination to accurately ask in faith with nothing wavering. But you can cast down imagination. You can take every thought captive. There, there are elements of working the Word that connect with this, but it is possible that we can ask in faith and have nothing wavering in our life. It may not happen the first time you ask. You might need to stop and go to the Word and build your faith. And I'll remind you that the Lord told Charles Capps, don't pray about anything you can't believe me for. And Brother Cap said, then my prayer life's not going to be very long. My prayer time's going to get short. Why? Because he had not up until that point built his faith to believe God. He just went to prayer and he said, I prayed around the world. And, that, and what that means is he said, Lord, bless all the missionaries in China. Lord, bless all the missionaries in Russia. Lord, and, and it was just like a scatter load. And the difference between a bullet in a pistol and a bullet in a shotgun is if you put the, the shotgun shell with the scatter load, it's not going to hit just one specific area. It's going to scatter out, and it's just going to be, be a wide range, but nothing's going to be very heavily affected. But a, a bullet that is in that, that gun that is aimed at a specific target, it's going to hit the target, it's going to be effective, it's going to make an impact. And that's the difference between praying in faith and just praying. Yeah. Asking in faith or just asking. We are to ask. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. It is a law of the kingdom. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. But he wants us to ask in faith. To ask with nothing wavering. So if you can't go to God without wavering, go back to the Word until you get convinced and then go to God. Then go to God and receive your help in time of need. Come boldly. Why, that boldness is a confidence. Father, I'm coming to you because I know you're the one with the answer. And I know you've given me a promise. And I know it's your will for me to have this. Amen? I'm not coming... And begging so, hoping so, oh God, if you don't do it for me. Prayer time is not for complaining. Prayer time is not for rehearsing the problem. God doesn't need to know the details of our problem. He's numbered the hairs on your head. He already knows your details. He knows what 972 hair fell out of your head today. He didn't count them. He didn't say he counted the hairs on your head. He numbered them. He's intimately acquainted with our life. He knows the details of our life. He doesn't need to hear whining and complaining. And Lord, it's so bad. And Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. He can't work with that. He can't connect with that. That kind of praying is wasting air. It's wasting our breath. And it's, it's, it's God, His hands are tied in that situation. But if we'll come to Him with His Word, and we'll come to Him with faith. And we'll come to Him with already prepared in our heart. This is the will of God for me. Then we're coming and we're laying hold of and accessing what is already covenantally provided for us. Hallelujah. The Lord told Brother Caps, 
Go back to my word and find the scriptures that promise you the thing I'm believing, that you're believing for. Go to the word and find them and then spend some time with those things. And that's why he, he took out a yellow legal pad and he started writing those verses down on this yellow legal pad and he wrote it in a way that he would pray it. So it would be like, Father, according to, uh, uh, according to Malachi chapter 3, I have given and it is given unto me. Uh, according to Matthew chapter 3, I have brought the tithe into the storehouse and you have opened up the windows of heaven. And so he wrote it in a way that he would say it. And so he would tear the pages of this yellow legal pad out and he would put them in his, his front pocket and he would go out on his tractor to work in the fields because he was a cotton farmer, a cotton and soybean farmer. And he's out there. He would take a break and get off the tractor and he would walk through the turn rows reading this yellow sheet of paper with these scriptures on it. And he said it took a while of him reading those scriptures, but then when faith came, he went to the Lord and prayed and received. So Kenneth Hagin was anointed by God with healing ministry. He was out on the field in a, an extended meeting, and he, at this time there weren't even a lot of phone calls available, so he got a letter from his wife explaining that Sister Pat, his daughter, Pat Harrison, uh, uh, that his, his daughter was just really little at the time, that she had uh, uh, sickness and something that was pretty serious. And so here he is in meetings every day preaching on healing. Here he is every day laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed. And he is, is in these meetings preaching morning and evening. But he said, in addition to the time that I would normally spend preparing for a sermon, I took separate time to go through the healing scriptures that I have highlighted in my Bible again. And, I, and so he is adding to his regular sermon preparation time to go through these scriptures that promise healing. And he said three days of doing that, three days of him spending over an hour each day in those healing scriptures, then he prayed for his daughter. I thought, why would he need to wait three days? He's got those scriptures. He's been preaching in them. He said in his testimony, he said, I, did, I was preaching them. I was ministering the healing anointing. But what I needed for my child, I needed to have faith in my heart to connect with the word of God. And so he took the time to read through those scriptures. And so you can't have Bible faith without Bible. Amen. For you to have Bible faith, you're, and, and it's not automatic because you know the verse. Just because you know where it's found and you know it's in the Bible, that doesn't mean you've eaten it. I have potatoes in my house, but I haven't eaten any in a few days. I have the scripture here, but I haven't eaten it in a few days, that, in whatever the scripture may be specific. So if I want that specific scripture to work for me, I've got to go deposit it in my heart purposefully. Purposefully. I, it needs to go in my eyes. It needs to hear my, my ears need to hear that. And so I might have to verbalize it. I might have to read it 
so that my ears can hear it. It needs to get into my heart. It's not going to be in my heart just because it's in my Bible. It's not going to be in my heart just because I heard it once. It's not going to be in my heart just because I know where to find it in the Bible. It's going to be in my heart when I, on purpose, deposit it there. And that's where sometimes people want to, that people want the drive-through. They just want to drive through. They want to just pop in a microwave. Faith requires the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word, the spoken word, the rhema word, the, the declared word, the words of Christ, the anointed word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says here, ask in faith. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Verse 6, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind. Driven with the wind means that's what's moving them. That's what's moving those people, not y'all, those people, those other people who are wavering. So the word's not moving them. The promise isn't moving them. What's moving them? What they see, what they feel, what the report is. What, what needs to move us, if we're asking in faith, we've got a foundation already. Faith is my foundation. Faith is a certainty, remember? Faith is a certainty. Faith is evidence. Faith is a title deed. Faith is substance. I can stand on. That's why a pastor uses that phrase in his book, Every Day's a Faith Day. He says, faith is a standing under, and it comes from those definitions. So if you're standing, if you're in faith, you're not out there over a, a void with, oh, you stepped out in faith and there's nothing underneath you. I've got substance under me. Peter wasn't walking on nothing. He was walking on the Word. He wasn't walking on nothing. Faith is not nothing. Faith is substance, and it's more real substance than anything you can see. Why would I have more confidence in what I could see when faith provides me a greater ability? If a pilot is only trained to fly by what they see, they can only fly in certain conditions. And all the rest of the time, they're limited to the ground. But if they are instrument rated, if they have been trained to use the instruments in that cockpit, they can fly even if they can't see. It can be clouds, it can be fog, but they can fly because they can see. And you might be sitting in the plane and you think, I can't see. Well, He's not looking with his, the pilot's not looking with their natural eyes. They're looking at the instruments and they know things that their eyes can't tell them. And that's what faith does. Faith provides us a vision. Faith sees. I can see. I can see. Faith is not clinging, hoping, hanging on, desperate. Oh, by faith, by faith, by faith. No, faith is Praise God, I've got it. Praise God, I'm in victory. Praise God, we win. 
Hallelujah. So, so faith can see things that I can't see with my eyes. Why would I just depend on what I can see with my eyes and give more precedence to what I can see with my eyes when what I can see with my faith has a greater effectiveness and accuracy in my life? Amen. He says, the person that is wavering, staggering, separating from the promise, opposing the promise, is moved or driven by the wind and tossed. That means they're up and they're down. They're here and they're there. They're in and they're out. Nothing stable. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So we're not talking about a sinner. It's not... It's not sin that they're wavering. It's, it's, it's their lack of confidence. Amen. I know anything that is not of faith is sin. I'm talking about by nature. It's not talking about people who don't know God. It's talking about these are people who have asked something of God. They're asking God, but then they waver in their asking. Well, I guess it's not going to happen. Why? Because I don't see it. And I don't feel like God did anything. Neither one of those things are accurate indicators of the receiving of the promise. Amen. Feeling and seeing are not accurate indicators that I have it. What is my accurate indicator? I believe. I believe God. You know when Paul said that? The storm was raging and had been raging so long they'd thrown everything off the boat. They didn't have a sail to direct the ship anymore. They didn't have any of the rigging. They didn't have any food. They didn't have anything. They had, they had aborted everything off of that boat. And Paul comes up and he says, Hey, the angel of God stood by me tonight. The angel of the God whose I am. And who I serve. And he said to me that we would all make it. I, you know what? If, the, if Paul had not been on that boat, we don't know that any of those people would have survived. They only made it because Paul prayed. But Paul said, in the midst of every, he had no physical indication, but he, he could see with the eye of faith. He said, I believe God. I believe God. So don't be sad. Don't be worried. Come on, get up, put a smile on your face. We're going to make it. The ship won't make it, but we're going to make it. The situation might continue raging around us, but we already know the end. We already know the outcome. We're kept. We're redeemed. We're the, God's going to bring us through this. I believe God. Faith was the only thing connecting him to their rescue. It was his faith that helped everybody. Nobody else on that boat was in faith. But Paul and his faith, your, your whole family can be affected by the faith you have for their salvation. They might even not have any interest in God, but you stay in faith and God's going to get their attention. He's going to open their eyes. He's going to send laborers across their path. And they're going to look back one day and say, I'm so glad 
that we have somebody in our family who is believing God for us. Stand with me to your feet. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands and praise Him. Thank you, Lord, for how you keep us. Thank you for how you lead us. How you protect us, Lord. And you teach us and you lead us. And we're thankful for it. Would you just tell him that? Tell him how thankful you are that he teaches you. And he leads you. Oh, Lord, we worship you today. We magnify you today. We believe you. Oh, Father, teach us to walk in this victory. In Jesus.